end of the rack, lays it up, no, but we do have a whistle and a foul. Ben, just went after our tent. Oh, that's not we good. got trouble right here in the Motor City. Welcome to Growing Up Punk, the podcast about punk rock and all of its friends. My name is David, and I'm actually uh, recording this intro from the back deck at my parents' house. So that's pretty rad. Anyway, on this episode, uh, we've got an interview with the guys from American Arson. Before we get into that, though, just thought I'd say, hey, uh, go ahead and follow us on our social media networks at Growing Punk Pod. You'll find us on Instagram. You'll find us on Twitter. Uh, we're on Facebook. We're everywhere. The podcast is also available wherever you get podcasts. So uh, make sure you tell all of your friends. Now, before we get into the interview... Just thought I'd share a little bit with you uh, what the interview is about. As I said, it's with the guys from American Arson. That's uh, Evan, who plays guitar and vocals, and Jesse, who's on drums and vocals. And uh, yeah, we get to talk about a lot of stuff, about what it means to be in a two-piece uh, and what that looks like playing, recording, that kind of stuff. And also talking about one of their favorite records, a record that inspired them greatly over the years, that being Fake News by the band Let Live. Uh, so without further ado, let's get into it. We also chat about uh, their brand new album, A Line in the Sand. So let's waste no more time. It's me chatting with Jesse, chatting with Evan of American Arson. <laughs> I thought we'd start kind of like back at, I guess you could say the beginning. Um, kind of how did you get into punk rock or post-hardcore, whatever, just like this kind of music, this scene of music. So, I mean, Evan, if you wanted to start, that'd be cool. You could share your story a little bit, first band maybe, or album or something. Yeah. So I um, I grew up, uh, I, think I, I think I was probably in middle school when I really got turned on to um, any sort of alternative music. Um, I grew up going to going to ska concerts actually when I was in middle <laughs> school. Ska concerts, yeah. punk concerts, um, and uh, whenever anybody would roll through, I just kind of begged my parents just before I could drive uh, to let me go or um, get a few friends together. Yeah. Um, so I I started playing piano when I was like five years old. So we have a music background. My mom was a piano and voice teacher. Um, so me and all my brothers. Um, took like classically trained piano, but I started playing guitar then um, in middle school. And uh, when I was in high school, that was sort of the emergence of the sort of like the the emotional hardcore revival. Uh, this was yeah. near the end of the 90s. Um, and a lot of bands that were coming out that were inspired sort of by Fugazi and Rites of Spring and Mineral and Braid and those kind of bands. Um, but then we're putting a little bit more of a melodic twist on it or maybe taking the, the hardcore element out of it um you know quite a bit so uh, bands like further seems forever and jimmy Eat world and the juliana theory 
that were sort of driving that emotional hardcore movement more towards um, the melodic side. Um, yeah. So I grew up kind of right in that divide, you know, where uh, you would have you would have uh, hardcore bands and you know I guess this emo, the new the new like second wave of emo yeah. bands um, playing together. Um, and to me, that was just like everything I wanted in music. You had the melody and, you know, it was totally acceptable to bring something all the way down uh, to just the, you know, strip down to just a, a clean plucked guitar and, and one guy singing and then all the way up to just, you know, screams and, and full bands roaring away. Um, and so, yeah, that, those were kind of like my influence that, that shaped um, me growing up and uh, and i played in some bands that were for you know closer to the punk side i played in some bands that were closer to the the melodic or popular side yeah um and then i think that's kind of you know what you get with american arson is sort of a just a <laughs> yeah, yeah. conglomeration of all of that so it's yeah a that was a, a bit of a mix i was gonna say i've been i feel like i've been pushing this book a lot lately it's because i just read it but have you ever read the book post by eric grubbs i have not Oh man, if no. you can find it, find it. I'll I'll yeah, say I'll send it to you in the mail. No, but if you can find <laughs> it, uh it's it documents like that whole it goes through um kind of starting back in like the DC, you know, like hardcore post hardcore scene yep. with Rights of Spring, Fugazi, stuff like that, and moves on forward kind of like with each band as it comes along through like Jawbox, Jawbreaker. It oh, yeah. ends, I think, with Jimmy Eat World, but it covers glass jaw, like all sorts of stuff. It's so good. That's man. really sweet. Um, cool. Yeah, I don't read a ton of out. books. Yeah, I don't read a ton of books, but I love music books. So, um, Jesse, what about you? How did you kind of discover punk rock? I guess. <laughs> I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell a story really, uh, really rare and unique to kids growing <laughs> up in the '90s, and that's I got my hands on a Blink 182 CD. And okay, uh, yeah. no, that I mean, I guess like I so I grew up. Um, in the church and like playing at church and stuff like that. Um, and going to a lot of the like Christian alternative festivals and stuff. And, and so I was familiar with a lot of, a lot of those bands. And, but when I was several years old, I got my hands on a, a like a, a blink CD and started listening to like earlier, like Foo Fighters stuff and, um, being influenced like by people like Dave Grohl and, and Travis Barker as a, as a drummer. And obviously Dave Grohl is fronting Foo Fighters, but from his yeah, Nirvana yeah. days and stuff. Um, and then around, I want to say 2000, 2001 or two or something. I was only several years old at the time. Um, and I got my hands on one of the first under oath CDs right yeah and that changing of times actually before they even had their current uh or what's their probably most well-known lineup um when mm -hmm. dallas was still fronting the band um that i got my hands on that and i was like holy crap this is awesome yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, i would watch videos of like aaron glassby playing drums and just like absolutely beating the living crap out of his drums and just like yeah flinging himself everywhere and just like that looks like <laughs> so much fun and it reminded me of guys like you like dave Grohl and stuff when they would play and everything yeah. and um so that that was really the start of it for me um yeah. i would literally sit there and watch like videos sit in front of a tv i would i literally there's photos of me sitting like with my drums set up with a tv like 
about as far from my drums <laughs> as this computer is from me now. Yeah, yeah. Um, and for those listening, we can see each other on the on the screen. Um, <laughs> but it was like right there, and there's photos of me just sitting there, like play watching music videos of those guys and playing along yeah. to like. Um, like Foo Fighters and Blink and Under Oath music videos and stuff. Um, yeah. So those three were were really big for me um, back in the day. And then obviously um, a little later into that, um, the band we're actually kind of focusing on today, Let Live, um, yeah. not a few years so later, um, was when I first got hold of them and they completely changed my life. Um, Right both on. as a musician like performance wise and just um as a fan so sweet uh th- it's funny that you bring up the music video side of things and early under oath because i can remember i don't know how many times i watched the video for until the sun sleeps oh yeah and just like there's a part i think it's i want to say it's tim like kicks dallas maybe just like <laughs> like back kicks him and i yeah. just like watch it over and oh, over man. like what is this dude yeah, i bought all was... their when they started releasing live dvds for some of their, yeah. their stuff later on i would buy those and literally just yeah. like play them over and over I, I think i had to buy multiple <laughs> copies of those things because i had just totally. wear them out yeah yeah so you mentioned there we're gonna talk about let live in a minute but i thought we could kind of um, yeah talk about you guys and your new record a little bit before we get into that i mean <laughs> nah, no one wants to not... hear about that yeah come on now <laughs> but so how, how did you guys meet like how did you start a band where did that come from well two uh, guys I walked into a bar um, yeah <laughs> <laughs> I, I basically started as a solo project uh, just trying to make some music with as, as few people as possible i was in a band where we um we had a lot of awesome opportunities and did a whole lot of touring and it basically just fell apart because it was difficult for us to maintain the relationship. You were going to say I was in a band. We were pretty awesome. No, <laughs> no, we were, we were, uh, we, we had a lot of good opportunities. We had a good grassroots following going and there was, there was no reason for the bands to derail other than the relationships deteriorating in the band, which wasn't any impotent person in particular's fault. It was just a product of the fact that we were on the road all the time Right. Um, kind of doing it DIY, so there weren't really any creature comforts, um, and uh, we didn't have a, a you know a whole lot of money to come home to or anything like that. Yeah. Uh, I just watched those relationships deteriorate, and I kind of got it in my head that it would be a great idea to just do something with as few people as possible and remove <laughs> some of those variables. You know, um, not not out of spite, just just more out of you know. Um, I've I've said before, it's the same reason why I ride a single speed road bike, right? There's there's no gears. There's less of a chance that I'm 25 minutes away from my house and or 25 yeah. miles away from my house and something breaks. So it's just right. one speed. It's it's easier that way. Yeah. So I was hiring a drummer for a little while, and uh, he was he was a great guy, um, but he was doing his own thing. He was playing in a, in a band that he was actually you know a, a full time member of, and um, so it it became impractical after a while. Uh, and you know, if you're a solo artist, it's kind of strange too to just be yeah. hiring one other person. It's just like there's there's half you know half the people on the stage are are hired at that point to compare yeah. to only the one person who's the who's like I guess the the name bearer. So I just decided I wanted somebody that was like equally as invested in the band um, as myself and kind of put that information out there and um, you know uh, came across Jesse online through some mutual friends. 
uh, and did a little audition, just kind of more of like a meet and greet. Yeah. <laughs> and then we just, yeah, we started playing together. Uh, and, and then obviously, um, it just, uh, it made more sense to, you know, for us to be, it, it became more of a traditional band at that point, yeah. you know, with, uh, yeah. with more than just one dude kind of steering the ship. Yeah. People ask us all the time, like, you know, about the, he kind of touched on it about like the benefits or the cons or whatever of having just two yeah. people in the band. And, and he, he nailed it there. It's like, it's not even just, like he said, it's not just out of spite, but like having fewer members, there's, there's only two of us. So like, mm-hmm. yeah, there's some, there's some cons in terms of we have a crap load of gear so it's in the early days before we could bring a crew with us it was just the two of us loading it all in and out yeah but at the same time like you touched on like on a personal level we know we know we're good so we're good <laughs> you know yeah, you're not yeah, trying yeah, to get personally professionally whatever yeah. you you're not trying to get five people on the same page you're trying to get two totally. so as long as we know each other are good we're we're good you know and it makes it everything decision making you know songwriting whatever it is a lot easier that way that's awesome so how do you like as a two-piece you've got you know like a big sound as it is and and i mean you can do anything really going into a studio if it's just too all fake Mm -hmm. yeah it's all fake but (laughs) you're right you can fake anything (laughs) (laughs) right but at the same point i know like i I think i've uh, i I don't know if i read it or you hinted at but do you do live looping sort of stuff when you play yes yeah so we uh i do a couple different things the number one thing is that i split my guitar signal to a guitar amp and a bass amp i don't go into all the technical stuff because there's probably some people who don't care about that at all but i (laughs) I split my guitar signal to a, a guitar amp and a bass amp uh and the side that goes to the bass amp is pitched an octave down and then I tune gotcha. the, the guitar way down too. So it's basically, you know, covering uh, the sonic range that you would expect from a guitar and a bass. Um, but then we also have some songs where we do what's called live looping. So if somebody's not familiar with, you know, guitar nerd kind of stuff, basically that means that I play a part, I press a pedal, uh, that part plays back again. I basically just recorded it on the fly and then I play a different part over that. And some songs we have it'll just you know there'll just be one loop or one layer to the loop and we have some songs that have six or seven layers to it um and then jesse sort of monitors that looping process in his ears and so that we can stay tight together so we we used to be um you know like 100 percent like every song was had had looping um and that was sort of like our, our calling card and then with the last couple of releases we've branched out a little bit and the the most recent album is about 70 30 songs that actually that don't have looping um uh in favor of songs that don't have looping versus songs that do right Um, really the only thing that's not when you see us live the only things that aren't like physically being played by us um live are are like the big orchestral parts and as much as we'd love to tour with a full full orchestra (laughs) do like a bring me the horizon live set style type of thing like choir yeah like (laughs) Maybe one day, but I mean, we, we can't, so, you know, that's yeah, like yeah. the, the big, like orchestral intros or big, like, um, like horn stuff or whatever, like, you know, you, you, like that stuff is, is on the track, but that's, I would say yeah. a minority of what you see, like all the guitars, all the drums, all the vocals, we, nothing, none of that is tracked. Um, so we, that's the one thing is we, he kind of alluded to it. We, 
with these last this last record the full length is especially we kind of we wanted to find a way to be able to grow creatively and kind of push our boundaries and be able to write some right. new new sounding stuff and just grow as a band artistically um while still being able to stay true to like we didn't want to be and there's nothing against you know some of the artists that where they do have like one or two members and maybe a lot of their stuff is on track they're phenomenal songwriters and stuff but we just kind of felt like we wanted to keep it authentic and and have most of our stuff be live but being able to add some of those bigger orchestral parts and stuff um and still keep all the real instruments like the guitars and drums live was a was a good kind of middle ground for us but it it allowed this album to venture into some different different areas while hopefully still staying a little familiar for people who've heard our other stuff yeah no it's it's great so when when writing a song and factoring in things like loops um how do you stop yourself from just layering upon layer because <laughs> like i can i can just only imagine sitting down with like i play guitar myself and i can only imagine sitting down with a guitar and just being like okay that sounds cool but now what if i do this over time and just continuing to build how do you like do, do you do you go in with kind of like you know like limits set or do you just go with what happens i think the thing that constrains us is that at our heart we are writing uh within the sort of traditional pop rock song structure where there's going to be verses and choruses and bridges and all of those types of things versus um you know a a post-rock band maybe like a band like caspian Mm -hmm. uh or a band like explosions in the sky where they're going to be a lot more freeform with their with their song structure um they might be able to do something like that and we've played with a couple really cool post-rock bands um that have uh more of a like a linear um song structure rather than the verses and the choruses and that sort of stuff so when you set out to say like hey we're, we're gonna stick basically to this traditional sort of you know punk rock um ideal that there's there's gonna be verses there's gonna be choruses the songs are gonna be you know usually around three to five minutes something like that yeah, um and yeah. it's not to say it's not to say that we stick to a formula like there's times we go outside of that there's you know, we had a really short track that ended the or that started the album, a really long track that that closed mm-hmm. the album. Um, but when you when you think about it that way, when you think about it as like, what does somebody want to hear? Um, you know, I think it might be interesting to a few people to see a guy on a stage just recording loop after loop after loop. But I think most people um, they want to make an emotional connection to the song, and and they do that through melody, and they do that through lyrics, and and then they do that through having those melodies and those lyrics repeated. Uh, uh, and enough, enough times um, to kind of set the hook, but not so many times that it gets repetitive and boring. And yeah. so when you approach it like that, you sort of lose the temptation to just whack on 57 layers because you know um, as much as your guitar and, and, as much as our musician friends or our band buddies like might enjoy it and like be super right. into it like they yeah. you know we trying to well, find that balance between like having a chorus people can sing along to or a, a a punk verse that people can you know mosh or headbang to or whatever you know and, and yell the words to but also having stuff that we like enjoy at least from my end like having stuff that we uh, enjoy playing artistically is is challenging for us and and fun because like it's mm-hmm. it, you know it, it, it's no fun to play the same two chords over and over and over like you know so like you know or it, 
intricate loops or lead parts and verses like even when it comes to writing like my drum parts and stuff like that finding a way to keep things simple where it's necessary and allow in the choruses and allow people maybe to kind of like jam along sing along something they'll catch catch in their head but also having some of our songs have crazier intros or bridges where he's doing some wild like looping lead that he layers over and it harmonizes and it sounds sweet and we're like really into it and just having fun jamming together and stuff like that um yeah it's a it's a little bit of both but it's it's fun it's it's interesting it's challenging i don't think i don't think he had i know i hadn't been in a project like this before prior to it so it, it was definitely different than i think anything either of us had done musically before for this and it's it's a little bit of an adventure which keeps things interesting but makes it fun for us and hopefully fun for people listening too <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's fair that's important uh let's talk about a bit. the new record a line in the sand yeah just a little bit sure. a line in the sand out on face down records can you tell us how um i guess because you you've had you know you've been doing this for a few years now at least you've got some eps that came out over the past couple of years and this old. is your first full length so What's that? I said we're old. You're old. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so old. Um, but yeah, can you maybe, I guess, how, how did this album come together going into it? Did you have like, a, you know, like a message or a goal in mind with it? Or was it just like songs you'd sort of written over time that you're like, it's time to put out an album? We gave ourselves yeah. way too little time, actually. <laughs> we, oh, there you go. <laughs> we knew it was coming and we had a summer full of, well, we signed to face down. I guess what would have been like beginning of spring 2019 last year okay. um, released yeah. rise and fall um, as kind of like a little like, Hey, here's who we are to face down people, uh, a couple singles. And then we knew that that like within the next year, we were going to be writing and recording a full length, but going into that summer, we had a lot of tour dates and festivals. And so our kind of our thinking was like, we'll get home, you know, take the fall to, you know, a couple months to write and record. And then we'll, we'll hit the studio by like November. (laughs) And we got, we got home from the summer dates, early fall started kind of writing. And then all of a sudden (laughs) November was upon us and we were like, shoot, this is, you know, (laughs) like we wanted to make them the best songs possible. And I know Evan can probably touch on this too. And it came up a a little quicker than us, but we decided to, to push it back the recording date a little, a little while after that, um, to give ourselves some more time to, like you said, like write the songs over time. Um, and he can touch on some of lyrically what, you know, where the inspiration came from, but, you know, musically it also gave us the, uh, the ability to like kind of go back and revisit parts and try different right. things yeah yeah so yeah go ahead sorry, go ahead I, I was just gonna say i i don't know i don't know if so much of it was a if it was a time issue it might have been a time issue um but I, I just hit like this massive wall of writer's block um and i think some of that was a, was a time issue like jesse said like we were running you know short on on time we hadn't really left ourselves a ton of time but i think of i think another main part of it was um just kind of being burned out uh in my everyday life with the i was working like crazy hours and and i think that it's really hard to be creative and be inspired um when you're burning the candle at both ends and stuff like that so uh, through the winter period i actually had just in my personal schedule 
an opportunity to step back from some things and actually have some some free time um and then sort of the inspiration was a lot easier to come by at that point so um, that's a good point yeah, i think we we both for those listening we both like many bands of our size have you know full-time day jobs so like totally you know we're not we're also when we say we gave ourselves a couple months to write it wasn't a couple months of literally sitting at home and writing <laughs> like yeah, it was yeah, yeah, right. a couple months of going to work for 12 plus hours a day and then getting yeah. home and trying to use our lunch breaks or the couple hours before bed <laughs> to, you know or yeah. the the few days off in, in between to to write so yeah but which is impressive because like at least when it musically the album is like a ton of energy and fun to listen to and lyrically though uh, i know you mentioned there evan that you, you kind of hit some some writer's block or whatever but i also get the get kind of the gist of that you're a band that doesn't like to waste your words if that makes sense because you <laughs> you definitely write some songs that have some um powerful messages behind them so i guess like out of that like as it kind of going back to that original question about the album did you sort of have like when you when it comes to writing a song how does that come together i guess for you do you have a like a, are you a band that has a mission sort of thing or are you just a band that writes whatever inspires you from here to there yes and no but or i guess not yes and no a little bit of both <laughs> that makes more sense yeah i think the, the the thing that we've always told people is that we write from our life experience and the things that we see going on around us and the things that we feel the things that we're impacted by um we just try to be as genuine as possible and um you know i've i've also said this part before but i understand that there are bands who their goal is to write for a target demographic um their goal is you know to market themselves to a specific subset of people and so they write with that focus in mind no knock um, on, on those artists or people either but right yeah i mean yeah we can say no knock on and then say but we don't want to be anything like that so it's like people read between the lines whatever but you know what i mean i just think like art art is meaningful and and you can only the 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 consumerism is only going to take you so far and if you're always just looking for uh you know who's gonna who's gonna care about this who's gonna like this you're gonna be disappointed in the end um because at, at some point it's gonna ring hollow because you're chasing trends and, and mm -hmm. the albums that we put out you know anybody i don't care how big or how small you are they're gonna come out months after you wrote those songs and so if you're always trying to chase a trend or what you think is hot or what you think is popular um then you're probably going to be disappointed so we just try to be genuine um and let you know the songs be um or let the lyrics kind of reflect what's going on in life um but as far as like how how it comes together I, the the writer's block actually wasn't wasn't on the lyrical side um, oh, okay, the lyrics sure. came together pretty quickly because what we do when we write a song um and typically I'll send a, a demo to Jesse that has that where the melodies are completed, but we use what we call scratch lyrics, which most yeah, of the time are just pizza. comedy lyrics. They're usually yeah, about they're, pizza because that's usually they're what's about, on our mind. Pizza or tacos. Yeah, or they're just about not having words. I, I sang, I did the entire, for anybody that's heard the album and heard the song, The King is Alive, which is a lot of spoken word. That, that yeah. I did that entire song scratch track where every lyric was about not having lyrics see the bad so, thing about that is uh, <laughs> side note little rabbit hole insight here we 
it, it gets to the point where I listened to the demos so many times as we were writing the songs and using the scratch lyrics in place over a course of months <laughs> that even after the record comes out, like still to this day, it's hard for me to like when I sing certain songs <laughs> live or hear them or think about what to play, like to not say the scratch lyrics, like talking yeah. about pepperonis and cheese or just like <laughs> it's it's bad. But that's but yeah, that that yeah, that that just sort of helps me to get the melodies out. Um yeah. and and sometimes there's real lyrics that accompany that, or like maybe I'll have a real chorus and and then the yeah. verses are you know just scratch or whatever. But then I like to wait and until the last moment possible to write the lyrics. Um uh so you know, there was even uh for those aren't who aren't familiar with the recording process typically drums are recorded first and so mm-hmm. when jesse was recording i was you know sitting in the studio well, just being inspired by <laughs> right something like that or the just being inspired by the process and just in just being in that moment of okay we're here and it's time to, to put my thoughts down and so yeah. pretty much all 10 of those songs the lyrics came together in the week of the recording and I, that's something that i'm comfortable with that's something that i've done a lot so i don't go into that um situation in panic mode and like i said some of them are some of the lyrics are done if you went back and listened to some of the scratch checks they would have some of the real lyrics um but i think that that just sort of allows me to make sure that um there is cohesion there uh because I think if somebody listens to the album, they'll see that we cover like a pretty wide range of topics. But my goal is that they would see a common thread through all of those. Even if that common thread is something as simple as like, you know, that this is, we're convicted about these songs, you know, we don't, we're, right. this is something that really matters to us. And I think if the lyrics come together um, in a short period of time in, in like real world time, I think there's much more of a, of a, chance that you're going to end up with an album rather than a collection of songs because for mm-hmm. me an album can be all over the place musically um but it can still come together as an album um when there's themes that sort of you know uh, weave in and out of of different songs yeah. um and actually i like albums that have more musical diversity um i get bored really quickly with albums where everything sounds right. the same but lyrical diversity uh is is something that you know you can be all over the map but when you have that common thread that that sort of weaves them all together um i think it sort of makes it feel more like an album at least in my opinion there's you know a lot of different ways to do it i don't claim to have all the answers but that's just kind of (laughs) the way that we do it so yeah i thought the whole point of this was i'm an expert on exactly one thing and that is uh the way that we do things (laughs) that's about it so so but before we get into the let live album uh yeah i I had a couple of quick things about the video for unbreakable that i kind of wanted to ask first i love videos that are just like in the bands like jam space for whatever reason i've always <laughs> yeah. like even even going back to like mxpx's video for doing time for instance i always just thought it was so awesome right so i'm assuming that is like is that yeah. your jam space or did you just <laughs> set up down there for the video yeah that's our that's our rehearsal space it's in my basement uh that was Sweet. my first project of quarantine was to build a little bit more of a permanent rehearsal space we've always been in that right. area but um right. that, that was part was, of it there we was just some stuff that couldn't go out and shoot a full <laughs> right yeah yeah. at the time especially because that was it was basically done like right around the time everything was kicking off hardcore so it wasn't even at the point where we're at now of like 
things are still serious but like we found yeah. ways to you know social distancing yeah. masks etc it was yeah. like everybody was still in kind of that freak out mode and so we were like well you had to stay home in michigan at least yeah. at that point you had to stay home unless it was for you know um yeah essential sir like you know yeah, to go exactly. get groceries so or we whatever. Like, so what can we do was, and it worked right. out like <laughs> it, it worked out like it, it looks you know people seem to really it's honestly connected better than any video we've done um any right. anything we've put out before so like as simple and easy as it was i think sometimes people appreciate that especially in the punk and like hardcore crowd like you know mm. it doesn't have to be some you know as much as we do have ideas for some more expansive like storyline stuff like it doesn't have yeah. to be huge production to, to come over well. It was just fun to we got in there. I think we yeah. shot it in a matter of like an hour. <laughs> like, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I think we played now, the song like seven or eight times, and that was it. it. You mentioned you mentioned that it was shot during like quarantine and whatnot. So, we're, are you guys actually six feet apart in the video at least? I we are. We are yeah, yeah. <laughs> measure. We are six feet apart, and our that's camera fun. guy wore he wore a mask and oh, was that's very amazing. very careful and. Yeah, so it was, uh, yeah, I, I think you know, those are the kind of videos that I always enjoy watching. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah. so, you know, that that's kind of what I lean towards. I'm sure at some point we'll, we'll try to do something a little bit more creative. And we have in the past too, but I think um, for me, yeah, I just want to see a band. I just want to see what they're all about. And I feel like you can get that. Yeah um that yeah. vibe when you watch a performance video so now if people didn't know that you're from michigan they probably got a pretty good idea after watching that video though because you've got detroit sports memorabilia yeah. everywhere <laughs> yeah. um, in fact like the first thing i noticed being from canada was like the red wings flag and i was like oh yeah. that's pretty cool and then you know <laughs> picking things up the pistons mug i thought was great but um, oh wow that's a that's good a pickup good that was tiny yeah. that was barely yeah. in there <laughs> so so what were some of those like i mean the pistons mug was the one that made me think I was like, okay, are some of these things like they're almost Easter egg ish, right? Like to watch it and sort of pick things up. I'm assuming you got like, is it is it show flyers that are in the background? Yeah, of shows you play. Yeah, they're po they're tour posters from different tours that we've been on. Which right. I say that's actually just the way that the practice space is always yeah, set up. If you go down cool. there right now. Yeah, that that's wasn't what it looks staged. like, but you can see. Right, yeah, it, yeah. and I know this is an audio only thing, but if anybody was was watching on the video, you could see two of my favorite tour posters that are behind me right now. Okay, I yeah. um I love saving tour posters. Uh, yeah. You know, tours. I think a lot of times they all blend together. Um, you know, especially if you've gone back to the same city multiple times, and so I love saving them and and being able to just kind of. I need to be in a space that makes me feel creative to to be yeah. creative, and so my office is. Um, you can see behind me is my bookcase with all my favorite books. If I read a book and I like it, I put it on my shelf. Even if I never think I'm going to read it again, yeah. I want it to be in my space where I'm creating. And I, I have tour posters and I have little, you know, I have my Groot bobblehead and just like things that make me feel <laughs> yeah. uh, inspired and, and creative. Cool. So, yeah. So if we didn't set the space up to look like that. That's just the way that it looks but that's awesome that's awesome so i i actually not none of those were my questions about the video <laughs> um, I, I i had a question for each of you so first evan i wanted to know what's the shirt that you're wearing i spent so like i i kept trying to figure out if it was for a band or something like in the video it's that, got a ghost is that a stranger on it. thing yeah shirt? no no he means in the video oh. not the one that I'm oh, wearing. i was yeah, like oh, yeah. i saw the hawkins <laughs> yeah uh <laughs> yes this is a stranger yeah. things shirt no that is that shirt is um for our <laughs> a band that we are good friends with they're called sink in uh awesome. and they have a song it's a 
a really, really cool song. Everybody should go and check this out. They have an awesome 80s themed video for it, uh, but it's called Ghost. And so mm. they put out um, a line of merch. That's what I meant. Stranger uh, Things, that single. like 80s, you know, yeah, that's yeah. what I was, <laughs> I was trying to do. So, yeah, they're, if people are into our music, they will, they will definitely like cool. um, the sync in song Ghost. So okay, go cool. check it out. There you go. Well, then that was definitely worth asking. I was, <laughs> part of me is like, he's just going to say, oh, it's just some shirt I got off a shelf somewhere. I don't know. Close. But, uh, yeah, close. So, yeah. So, Jesse, um, when watch, I was watching the video yesterday. One of my kids was sitting with me, and she wanted me to ask you this. She says, how does he hit the drum so fast? <laughs> you're, I think you're doing a fill. I, I don't know if it was in like the, I think it was in the verse. There's a, a specific Tom fill that you did. And she was like, how did he hit his drum so fast? So I got to ask you, man, how do you hit him so fast? Well, I, uh, <laughs> lots of practice. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, so I guess I could answer that a couple of different ways. I, I grew up, like, like I said, watching guys like, like Dave Grohl and, and Travis Barker and Aaron Gillespie uh, play drums. And so for me, there was two things that stood out about them. It was their, their power and the way they played and expressed themselves. They weren't, you know, like, and there's some of my favorite drummers now, based influence now are guys that are just sitting there kind of grooving and bobbing their head, but are super technical yeah. and stuff like that. And I love that. But these guys were just throw like hitting the drums as hard as they can, and their their whole bodies were being put into it. It wasn't just their their yeah. wrists or their hands and stuff. Um, and then second was was just their their over. I guess I mean th the way they moved around the kit with that same amount of power and like you said speed, um, and they were somehow able to kind of like mesh both of those i guess um mm -hmm. and so like i i grew up like at first i wasn't you know i wasn't traditionally trained i ended up taking some some drum lessons from an instructor um and that was a big part of developing the speed um and the stick handling and stuff like that um which i suggest highly suggest to anyone that is you know some people are able to naturally pick it up um and mine, my experience was a little bit of both. I grew up just watching those guys and basically just hitting as hard and playing as fast <laughs> as I could. Like, I know that sounds kind of like a cop-out answer, but like, honest God, that was my first few just years of playing drums was just hitting things as hard and fast as I could. <laughs> um, like, I want to be like those guys. And then yeah. as I grew into it a bit, I started getting more tra traditional instruction and saying, like, okay, how should I hold my sticks? How, you know, how can I move my wrists to be able to, you know, hit a double stroke here and instead and get two hits and with one movement, you know, like, mm -hmm. so without getting too technical into it, that, I mean, that really is it. Like, <laughs> I guess I, I hit them as hard and fast as I can, and I try and there I try go. and walk off the stage with without any energy left. Like if I if I walk yeah. off the stage and I'm not just falling flat on the floor, exhausted after a show, like I don't feel like I played fast enough. I don't feel like I played hard enough. Like you know, so that's that's really what it what it's about for me. And obviously, a little bit of the you know the traditional uh, education, I guess, but. Yeah. 
My, I can guarantee you, I can almost guarantee you, my five-year-old's not going to listen to that. No. <laughs> Tell her I just so I like, just hit as hard and fast as I can. I just... Yeah, know. there we go. <laughs> Too long, didn't read. He hits hard and fast. He just does yeah, it. Yeah, I just uh, do it. So, I was, like, let, trying to think of a way to answer that without just being, like, that... <laughs> typical like cop I like I just do it no yeah. I'm just I'm just that uh, good like because I'm well <laughs> I appreciate your thought out or I mean thought out in the moment answer to my <laughs> five-year-old's question is good um let's let's get into I asked you guys uh when we were kind of setting this up I said well let's talk about a record that influenced you whether it was you know influenced this album anyway or just going in and being a band making the music that you make or just making music in general and the album you guys picked was fake history by let live say i'll kind of start this off real quick and then we'll get into i guess why you guys you know love the music or love this record so much i was actually introduced to the band let live through the song stained glass ceilings by the wonder years because jason butler has a a feature on that song and the first time i heard it i was like who is this like because his part comes in and (laughs) it is so good unbelievable yeah i i think we we did an episode on uh the greatest generation and no closer to heaven an epic and yeah and when i spoke about stained glass ceilings i said i think that feature is probably one of my all-time favorite features like of an artist coming on someone else's track and just absolutely smashing it because He's so good, but I'll be honest, when I went and looked up who he was, like, okay, let live. I was familiar with the name. I put the music on initially and I was like, I don't know. It's a little, it's a little different. And so that was kind of it for me. Like I just kind of walked away. I was like, you know, gave, gave a couple songs and then you guys suggested, I was like, okay, you know what? I've, every time I hear his feature and he's obviously on the new used record as well. Right. I was like, okay, let's go in let's, let's give it another shot. So listening to this record. I was actually like, by by making myself listen to it, I was actually blown away. Like it's such a good record from start to finish. Yeah. Um. I I love it's to me. I had to write this down because I didn't want to get this wrong. Uh. But to me, it sounds like <laughs> stick with me on this one. Uh. That Fallout Boy transitioned into a new metal band, while uh, other parts sound like At the Drive and had a musical baby with Rage Against the Machine. But My Chemical Romance was also in the room. There's so many sounds i think on this record but it's better than all of those sounds combined if that makes sense um yeah it's yeah yeah like i I don't even i wouldn't even be able to describe it to someone accurately i I think the the really cool the thing that helps the record to stand apart musically is that um most 
bands, most punk bands, uh, and most uh, metalcore bands, for for that matter, um, base pretty much everything they do in in chords. Um, hardcore bands sometimes will, will open up into riffs a little bit more, mm-hmm. um, especially you know bands that um, that play a little bit faster brand of hardcore. But I I think that the punk scene for a really long time has sort of relegated uh, riffs um, to like, oh, that's like a bluesy thing or that's like a radio rock thing or the the thing that I hear all the time in the the punk scene that is that's a butt rock. You know, it's like what butt rock bands are. So like um, their willingness to sort of bring riffs and and grooves into uh, a hardcore um, vibe and a punk vibe. I don't think you see a ton of that. I think you see it sometimes. In, there's, there's not some as of much anymore. That's post- for sure. Yeah, there's some of the groovier post-hardcore bands. That they're usually the bands that have like the ultra clean singer who sings like 47 octaves above middle C. That that kind of right. you know those, those kind of <laughs> bands. Um, and but I don't think you really see a ton of that riff based um stuff because it's it's hard to do and sound original and not just like you know just jam that in his his vocal range too like he'll there's like there there's he'll be just screaming and there'll be just a thrashing punk beat behind it and then they'll without like any warning just switch right into a like super melodic catchy harmonized chorus in like some like yeah. the kind of the kind of melody that gets stuck in your head like that you would be singing oh. over and <laughs> over and like and then there's some of those songs a couple of the more chill songs on that record like that are just super ambient and like like almost soulful in a way and like that's mm-hmm. you know he talks about he he's a really cool person to listen to not just from his his personal story but like from his musical journey and too and some of the different things he was influenced by because then you can really start to see like where they got some of their sound and stuff like even talking about like taking some stuff from jazz and stuff and incorporating it into like punk and hardcore music so it's uh yeah it's it's a little bit of everything you're right like you nailed it yeah. and that's i think why yeah. you know combined with some other things about their live performances which are epic right. and legendary like is why that was such a huge record for me i mean i i i had a quick note here that literally just said manic vocals because yeah his like his his voice he could do so many different things with his voice yeah. um that mm-hmm. it keeps it's like a song never gets boring no matter i mean i listened to this record i think you guys i want to say you picked it you emailed like your pick a few days ago yeah. maybe four or five days ago whatever it was but i've listened to it probably six or seven times That's since awesome. then like all the way through yeah i mean part of it's doing a lot of driving around i was like <laughs> like today i listened to it two and a half times i think through just and it's like it's so good but i i do have to ask i guess so there's two different releases for this record. Which record is is your release that when you put it on, it's the one you listen to, like the original, where it ends at um, day fifty four. Yeah, day fifty four. The or album the ends at day fifty four for me personally. Thank you. Good. I, I, okay. Yeah. Like the I, the bottom line is that whenever there's a re-release, so we were just talking about this um, 
for for something else but whenever there's a re-release bands feel like uh you know they want to do something extra for their fans because they don't want it to look like a money grab um yeah. obviously like the, there's um you know most bands do care about their fans and they're not just trying to extract as much money from them as possible um so they want to try to do something cool and i think it's cool that the the three songs were were you know tacked on to the end but mm -hmm. um for me the album ends at day 54 because artistically that's where it was meant to wrap up and yeah. i know just you know we just yeah. put out an album where the 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 thought that went into the last track and that and yeah. that track yeah. being the last track um was you know that was something that we were looking at way down the you know at the very you know, closer to the beginning of the creative process and um you know then to go back and add three songs on that would be cool but i think everybody would realize that the emotional end of the album was that yeah. song so oh 100 percent. and like both with your record and and this one is yeah like it's the the closing track is clearly a closing track right like right. and that's that's the feeling i get when going into because i guess it was epitaph released like did the second release with the three yeah. songs tacked on the end and I mean, from, I guess from a business standpoint, like you said, you, you kind of get it like, okay, people will go out and buy this. And if they already had it, maybe they'll buy this one too. But the record like that, that's a closing track of closing tracks. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Like they, <laughs> they, really they, I, I they leave it all on the 100%, table. hundred percent agree. Like that's how it is for me too. I mean, I, I, I dig the, the extra tracks, like they're good songs, like, you know, mm. but that's you know i first heard the album as it was first intended and that's kind of you know yeah, yeah. you know i still that's the only version that's on like spotify and stuff too like the new one i should say um the, the re version yeah. release so like those new songs they're good and stuff and i still you know will jam them and stuff when i'm listening through like on my phone and stuff but i like to go yeah. i mean the original way the record was written like evan said at least yeah. for us we were we're always very intentional about how we want the record to start and how we want it to end. So totally. And the other thing about day 54 is that it kind of brings together all of the themes of the, It's not just about like one thing. It sort of floats between themes. Uh, and this, this is probably, I would say the most personal of, of let lives yeah. records. They start yeah. to get a little bit more political after that. And a little bit more sort of like um, outwardly, like focused lyrically just kind of pointing mm -hmm. out things that are going on and not that there's isn't any of that on this album there is but um just sort of it almost seems like stream day 54 is the song i'm talking about it almost seems like stream of consciousness like going through all of the things that he's kind of already ticked off on the album and and um you know discussing those sort of one by one and moving between topics and so yeah. it seems like a natural place for the album to end I'm glad we talked about the closing track first. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's it's, kind it's of the funny. natural order that we should do this yeah. because I did get you guys to pick a song each and then I, I picked I didn't share the song I picked. Yeah. Well, that's fair. That's you're, It's fair that it's not fair. Um, and I didn't write down who picked what, but I know one of you picked uh, La Prologue and the 666.8 billion. <laughs>
Yeah, that was life. me. That's almost the, a tongue twister. That was you. They're, uh, okay, yes. The reason I gave you, I guess technically it's two because the prologue is kind yeah. of, is an intro track, but they they merge yeah. together. There's no like track breaks, and they kind of yeah. they they were, I always almost listen to them as one. <laughs> like, um, yeah, yeah. I think for me, like I've always loved like epic intro tracks like that that just build like yeah. that drum part at the beginning and just get you yeah. hype like the energy is huge and it also like lyrically um one of the reasons let live was so huge for me is like and, and jason i should say jason butler individually has been a huge influence on me is just his willingness to be 100 percent unfiltered all of the time speaking mm. up for whatever he believes in or whatever he, like he sees going on in the world whether he's experienced in his own life or as evan said like later on in the let live days and now with fever 333 getting super political yeah. and stuff like that and now spoken about those things and this song quite literally says you know stand up and he's talking yeah. like it it epitomized for me what what they manifested in their live shows what he would talk about between songs live and what they would write their lyrics on um and it wasn't until that point that i had really connected with a band that kind of stood up that way but also just like that break from when the drums are pounding and he's kind of speaking over the music at the beginning and then when it comes in just full force and he just starts screaming like you said like that vocal range like mm. it's so epic and then the six 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 point eight billion um we talked about kind of like the the range both musically and vocally that him and the band have and being able to write catchy hooks but also like thrashing like punk and hardcore parts and like it goes right in that big fast punk beat at the beginning of of that song for the verse and then the choruses on that song are so catchy and and harmonized and stuff and it's it sounds it, it runs the gamut as evan likes to say yeah. of yeah <laughs> of uh of of their styles i guess and yeah. um i i mean i love the message behind the song but it, musically as well um, both of those kind of touch on every single point um, and I know it's kind of it may be kind of cliche to pick the first two songs on the record but as the more I thought about it like those were the first two songs like I had like you had heard some of their stuff before that like I knew who they were but I heard yeah. that record and those first two songs or I guess one song ish one and a half um, sure yeah and that's it changed my life like that band changed my life after that and so that's those two that's have cool. always held a place in my heart for that reason um those were that's what got me connected to that band well it's great because you said like the, it kind of runs the gamut as you said and it really like sets up what you can expect i think for the rest of the record right like yeah. as far as lyrics are concerned as far as sound yep. is concerned like even the the talking that he does right off the beginning he does that a couple of times on the record and it's always like it's in like it 
I don't know. I, I guess just the uniqueness of it, and they just kind of set it up and say, "All right, this is what you're going to get." If you haven't heard "Let Live" before, this is. What's I was coming. just going to say, anytime someone asks me, like when I bring up "Let Live," and someone asks me about them, or like, "Oh, maybe I'll have to check mm-hmm. them out," that's what I send them. I say, I send them fake history, but I say, start at the beginning, just hit play, hit play on "Let yeah. Pro- yeah. Prologue," and just listen to those two first. Don't be one of those weird people who starts an album in the middle. Oh god! Or yeah. just goes start, to the top five. Track just one. goes to the top five on Spotify right. when they're finding yeah, yeah. a new band. Like if I hear a song yeah. come over, like a new band I haven't heard on the radio, or a song come over on like shuffle yeah. or something, the first thing I do is I go to that artist, I go to their like latest yeah. album, and I like hit play from the beginning. Like, but... right? Yeah, yeah. No, that's fair. So um, I guess that means it was Evan who picked Renegade '86. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so I think, what, what do you love about that song? Well, going back to kind of what we talked about, just kind of that willingness to really have like a, a groove, like riff verse, like it's just so rare in, in, in punk music right now. Um, but then dropping in some more of a melodic chorus, um, that's, mm-hmm. you know, really catchy chorus, like what, what Jesse, uh, mentioned earlier. Um, and then I just I, I really love the bridge. Uh, I think it was sort yeah. of some some foreshadowing. Um, it had that like, you know, it had like a hip hop swagger to it before mm-hmm. we ever knew that Jason was gonna do um, something more hip hop ish. Which is right. if, you, if you hear the Fever three three three, which he, he jumps into there, um, and you can just sort of see all of their influences coming together um the the hardcore stuff the the groovy kind of riffy guitar playing mm-hmm. um the you know uh the punk um attitude and then and then just sort of that you know it's yeah. not it's not spoken word in a way that you would hear spoken word in like a a listener song or right. yeah, um, yeah. or even like the kind of spoken word that we do um yeah. it's more like you said you're just sort of talking over it like that you will hear in hip-hop music where they're just sort of like setting up what they're about to say um just sort of you know um ad lib talking over it and um there's just an authenticity that comes with it and so um i get the sense that uh renegade 86 is a pretty personal song it's Mm -hmm. it's pretty poetic um so you know i'm not going to try to decode everything that he's talking about (laughs) but from a musical standpoint um and then i just feel like also it's got one of the most epic like one of my favorite i don't know if you call it a bridge or like a break but 
the the record, the record book section is yeah good. that's what i was yes. just about to say so anybody epic. can listen to that and just feel like they're you know they like they can just go punch bricks or something i don't know <laughs> if you felt like punching bricks that would be <laughs> what you would want to listen yeah. to first you could probably punch through some bricks um but yeah you feel sort of like empowered by that um you know it's uh i just think it's yeah it's it's a great follow-up to the prologue 666 um i think it's it it sort of sets the foundation for for the album and in uh, before they you know branch off into a few different directions yeah. um it it sort of like just kind of sets the tone yeah no it's it, i'm glad you went to the bridge because that was like my notes were all about the bridge of this song if if that's what we're calling it and just like yeah the the hip-hop influence because right before the copyright in the record books line or maybe it's a little bit before but anyway he there's a notorious big reference in there and like so he just yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> it's it's a hundred percent like and then when he delivers that line like i'm copywriting the record books oh yeah like just like the cockiness almost like when he says it, the confidence <laughs> it's just a hundred percent that was the first thought i had it was like yeah and and i mean th- those influences come up later on the album in different places sometimes i don't know if they come across to me as like rage against the machine influence but obviously rage yeah. is influenced by hip-hop you know so it just kind of comes together yeah. uh pretty great but I did. It's 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 a great song. The song that I picked, I didn't share this with you. So yeah. this is like the I'm most, curious. like, I I almost went with like the next track. So I was like, well, we've done the first three tracks. Why not go track four? But I went with the song Mother. As yeah. soon as like that, that song to me, I mean, obviously it's telling the story of um, like his, I, 
from what I gather, like his mom having an affair while his dad was in jail, I think, is what it's I gather. It's definitely about from... infidelity. Yeah, 100, well, 100%. But um, just the, the whole way it comes together. So again, I, I feel like there's a... He sings so like delicately on the first verse on this song, and then it comes in and he kind of really opens up. And then the second or third verse, depending on how you want to look at how the song's structured, like with the 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 feature, I don't know who she... I got her name, Chelsea Warlick. I don't know what she's from, like if she sings in a band or what. I couldn't find anything. The only like music credit that I could find on the internet was this song. So... Um, I can't but remember. But it's just cool how she is, comes in. He's, he's yeah. you can find it out there. He's like they've mentioned it before, but I can't remember. Yeah. So, but like she comes in and she sings like the part of, I mean, assuming what I'd kind of researched on this song is like the part of his mom in this story yeah. type thing, and it's just it comes together a little bit like a musical at times, just the way he's telling a story and they're doing it, you know, lyrically as well as like. I guess audibly in this song and then it really takes a turn at the end where like the the whole outro of the song is a completely different song basically it's just such a a cool song but it also like makes you it makes you feel right like and maybe I'm maybe yeah. I'm looking into it a little more because I've been listening to the Hamilton soundtrack a ton lately <laughs> yeah and so I'm just like you know just yeah hearing hearing like musical things in my brain and well the outro brain. is is very theatrical and it yeah. almost is a little to it, it it strikes me as like a little bit sarcastic right yeah. uh you know it's sort of with the like almost like with the ragtimey piano like the syncopated yeah. piano and then just like repeating that line or maybe it's not sarcastic but insincere like just right i repeat like don't you cry mama we'll be okay just over and over and over maybe i'll believe it maybe she'll believe it right um, yeah but yeah the first the, i have to be honest the first time that i heard that outro and it you know and the length of the outro i was sort yeah, of like that was that was it was jarring it was just sort of like yeah. that that's not where i expected the song to go it's not really where i wanted the song to go but the more that you listen to it and you um you think about it in the context of the other stuff that he writes um where it it sorts it sort of starts to fit or almost it almost feels like um it almost feels like somebody like losing their mind as like, as you get closer right. and closer to the end of the song and yeah. and it is a, a really cool and very unique outro not something that you would i think hear um in a lot of of you know songs in this genre yeah no it's it's i don't know i i i agree when when you said um, or maybe Jesse said it wasn't fair that I made you pick one song. Yeah, uh, because I as I was going I was through like, to try, yeah. yeah. Well, when I was going through to try and pick my song, I was like, "Well, I could do this one or this one or the," and I just kept going through. And because with See, this that's album, the thing about I, this record, you can listen hmm. to it all the way through, like over and over. There's yeah. not, you know, many bands that I like and many bands that have songs that i love or even a few songs that i love but there's not yeah. many albums that i mean there's a lot about like i said i enjoy listening to albums in general like from like all the way through but like yeah this one stands out as one that now almost 10 years later a little over actually from the original release of that I can I can listen to over and over and over on a weekly basis and yeah. still not get sick of. Yeah, yeah, like it's it's, 
Um, it's energetic, it's aggressive, it's weird, but it's also accessible. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> it's all of it. And yeah, I don't know. It's, it's great. So, uh, I was, I was a little skeptical when you first mentioned it and I'm, uh, I'm a supporter of this record now. It's, it's awesome. fantastic. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to driving back across Canada and listening to it countless more times and not getting bored of it. Cool. <laughs> yeah. I think that's something that is really unique in this day and age um you know streaming is awesome because it's made uh so many more bands so much more accessible and you can find bands that might be you know a lot smaller and maybe don't have the resources to tour to your area but i do think that it um incentivizes you know sort of uh cherry picking a song here or there and you know creating a just sort of like t- totally curating your musical experience and not having to listen to anything that you don't want to listen to or anything like yeah. that, which obviously, you know, when back in the days of records or even to cassettes to a little lesser extent, cause you could fast forward and then CDs cause you could skip a track. But yeah. there, now we're in an age where um, there's not really a whole lot of incentive to listen all the way through an album. And, but when you do, I think that you, you get the whole picture. And with this album, it's just easy to do that because there's not songs that you want to skip. Um, and you know, so I I think that that is, that's going to become the new calling card of what does it mean to put out a great album is not a great single or how many singles happens to chart or something like that. It's going to be what albums are strong start to finish and if you can do that then you are truly creating a a great album in my opinion there you go that man that's that's it that's all i got this was a lot of fun (laughs) absolutely yeah i had a great time yeah so so yeah having us and thanks thanks for coming on absolutely i'm glad a bear didn't come up Pistons have just shocked the Los Angeles Lakers. 187 to win the NBA title.